Hello and welcome to the Corner 3 where we are posted up and spotted up talking all things Dallas Mavericks basketball. The red hot Dallas Mavericks on and off the floor. Feels like the band is back together. This is the first time we've all been sitting at this table in a long time here in Studio 41 presented by Chime. I am Bobby Corella. Joining me, someone who was at the game last night, the great Austin Ivan. Austin, what's up? Nothing. I know. I'm kind of disappointed that you weren't there because I thought like the whole squad was going to get back together, reunited after All-Star break, and you just left us hanging. It was good. I had to catch up on The Bachelor. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I had some other uh, responsibilities uh, at, at church, and uh, so I caught up on the game late last night, and then I was just blowing up Bobby's phone at random times last night of random plays. But Yeah, no, it's true. He is Isaac Harris, and he was texting me all night long. <laughs> I missed a good one in person, though. It was great. Anytime you can beat the Suns, it's it's a good night. Yeah, it was great. Now, Austin, again, at halftime. So the other game where kind of the, the crew was all in the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you've been to games, but not maybe in the press box. The other time when you were in the press She's box too good was for us. Mavs Magic. And that one was pretty grimy. And yeah. you said, nah, I don't think the Mavs are going to win. Not like out of optimism. You're a hooper. Or you were. You know. Former hooper. Yeah. <laughs> now a reporter. reporter. <laughs> yeah. But you know. You can you can feel it, and I said that last night too. Exactly at halftime, you came up to me and said, and I I said, "How do you feel? How do you feel about this game?" You were like, "I think they can win." Yeah. I think they can. And then you tried to convince me to watch Love Is Blind. Yeah, I was like, "Why aren't you watching Love Is Blind?" I told her. So I I'm getting him closer too. We had this whole thing. I know, and he's like, "Now that you're the third person." Maybe yeah. I'll be Because on Wednesday, Isaac and Katya were talking about Love is Blind for like an hour in here as we're trying to record some basketball content. Yeah. And then Austin at halftime is blowing me up about it too. So it's like, I must be missing something. It's good. Yeah. We had like the basketball equivalent of like, if Grayson Allen told somebody he's Luca mm. and there was somebody who was like, hey, um, I look like Megan Fox and it didn't <laughs> okay. work out. I kind of follow that I have, now. Uh, yeah. I don't have a comment <laughs> on that. <laughs> I almost understand that reference. Uh Wow, what a game though. Holy moly, what a game. Whether you were at the game, like me and Austin, whether you were at home or doing other stuff like Isaac, uh, wow, what a win for the Mavs. 123-113 to over the Phoenix Suns. Luka goes for 41. Kyrie Irving goes for 29. It was a back-and-forth affair. Both teams led by double digits. The game was just always like hanging the balance. It was a whole lot of fun. Uh, Isaac, let's start with you. What what is your takeaway? Can you sum up what happened last night in one thought? What what are, what are you thinking about the morning after? Um, thinking about how bad Reggie Miller was on the call. What about basketball um, action, so Isaac? Back to basketball. No, uh, man. Yeah, it, you know, I was worried in the first half. I think everybody gets you don't you just don't know what's going to happen. The first game out of All Star break, everybody's coming back from vacation, and you know. It's like, all right, are you going to be a little rusty? Are you going to be fully bought in? And it felt like the Mavs, I mean, were just – yeah, they, they were behind there in the first half, but then they just locked in. And it that stretch of Kyrie at the end of the first, into the second some um, – I mean, this, if you want to do a bigger overall story of the game, it's Kyrie and Luka. It's this duo that, you know, even back before the All-Star break, it's like, hey, what is – you know, if we look at this final stretch of the season, what is this thing that they have to figure out? It's like you got to maximize this pairing of this duo because you're not going to be able to go as far as that you want to go unless you get the highest possible pairing out of Luca. <laughs> uh, Chopper showing the tech right here uh, with Luca, and it was just a 
the most unnecessary. <laughs> just the most unnecessary. Take. It was pretty funny though on the on the call on TNT because Reggie like lost his mind. It was like. If this was if this if this was an away game, Luca would be thrown out. He'd be tossed. Wow. And done. He's lucky this is a home game. Wow. And this whole thing. But um, yeah, it was it's Kyrie and Luca and that pairing and them dominating like they did. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Jason Kidd talked about it. Like people question can they coexist? They obviously can and be great together. Um, my biggest takeaway from the game, you were talking about all star break, coming back, how would they play? Are they still in vacation mode? No, they show that they Croatia. weren't. Well, we're not sure where the exact a whereabouts. Very jet lagged, Luca. Yeah, <laughs> we're not. We haven't like confirmed where he was, where his location was. Um, but regardless, it relaxed him. He got back. He was ready to go, um, and he played great. I feel like he loves to play against the Suns. Um, Luca had a great game. Um, I think he just gets fired up for the Suns always too. Yeah. So he loves playing against Devin Booker, Kevin Durant. Um, so he always like plays up to the competition when he knows it's a big time game, and he put it on full display last night with his 41 points and near triple double. Honestly, on the grand scheme of things, I think we should just always schedule the Suns post All Star because if it's anybody else or it's like you know a couple other opponents, it might just be like, hey, let me just ease back into it this week. But since it was the Suns, like, nah, yeah. I got to be fully back for this one. Yeah, I agree. He shows up, the fans show up. There was some juice in the building. I mean, it was. Isaac, to your point about Kyrie, so, um, you know, obviously it's going to be loud in the building in the fourth quarter, right? Second half, people are always bringing the juice, but coming out of the gates, the Suns start the game hot. They make like six of their first seven shots or something. A bunch of them are threes, and it's kind of like, man, I, here they are on six-game win streak. I thought this was supposed to be fun, right? And then, boom, all of a sudden, Luka leaves the game, and Kyrie scores eight points in 30 seconds. Back-to-back pull-up threes in transition, and it's like everyone is on their feet. The house is rocking 11 minutes into the game, you know. And then the play, the. Oh, yeah, the 820 <laughs> no scope, 960 backflip. Uh, that was beautiful. Yeah. Just, it, just, he's just an unbelievable player. He's just an unbelievable player. And we've talked about it so much. It's so much fun to watch Kyrie play. Uh, it's so much fun to watch him take over games. But maybe the most impressive thing about him is that he is like the second guy, right? So he knows going in, like, I'm not the guy unless Luke is out. Right, mm. but and he's 31 years old. He's a 13-year vet. He's played a lot of basketball. Unfortunately, he's had to battle through a lot of injuries. Um, and so even he knows he'll admit like he can't always do it for 48 minutes. He'll admit I've been tired at the end of game, so I, I need Luca to do it. But he kind of has this sense to know like whether Luca's on the floor or not. Like this is not going really well. I need to do something about it. You know, we saw it against the Spurs. The Spurs opened up that game right before the break. They were up 15 points in the first quarter. Kyrie was scoreless, ended the game with 34 points, dragged them out of the mud. They ended up winning by 23. Against Phoenix, hey, we're, we've won six in a row. What the heck is going on? Why are we down 11 points already, guys? Luca's on the bench. Like, someone's got to do something. I guess I'll do it myself. Like, not in like this like indignant way, but he just knows when to turn it on. You know, and he can score 15 points in two minutes, or he can score 25 points and a half. He can score 44 in a game. Like he can do that whenever he needs to, and it's just been really, really impressive. Yeah, I saw something on Twitter, and I was like, Kyrie's not the Robin; he is Batman, but Luca is just Superman. Yeah. So it's like they're both like the main characters at times when they need to be, but they can coexist. And I don't—I'm not an Avengers fan or whatever, but they're all friends and they're—they're working together. Me neither. I do know they're not. Are they DC? 
Are both of those what? people DC? Austin. Well, I don't know what that is. Batman oh. and Superman are DC. Okay. I don't know what that means. Avengers aren't Marvel. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I don't... What does DC stand for? <laughs> All right. District so, of Columbia. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, then I, yeah. something else about the game was... One, I was fascinated to see what the you know fully healthy team outside of Dante Exum being in there, what the rotations were going to be. Um, so I was like making down notes, I'm like, all right, who's gonna you know who's gonna be the first two guys in? Um, you know, so it was Tim and Maxi. Then it was um, was it Tim and Maxi? Yeah, it's Tim and Maxi. Yeah, they came in at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Tim, Tim and Maxi came in, and then it was after that it was Derek Jones Jr. and Gafford that came in after that. And, you know, we've talked a lot about the um, the lively Gafford one-two punch at the big man spot, but we're seeing Maxi get a lot of minutes at the 5-2 right now while also playing with Gafford and stuff. But I think one of the biggest things for me was watching when you go up against a team like this, one of the biggest um, talking points we've had, a lot of people have had is early in the season was how small this Mavericks team, especially was, you know, on the perimeter and you know on defense and guarding some of these bigger wings out there the kd's positional size yeah positional size and when you swap out a grant williams for a pj washington when you trade for a daniel gafford uh when you get maxi back healthy now you have you know in garden you know kevin durant especially last night i think that's because it's durant and because he's so big and he's on the perimeter i think that's where it like popped a little bit more for me to see when it comes playoff time um, when you go against some of these bigger wings, you know, we have this, you know, the, the play, you know, where Derek Jones Jr. blocks Durant there, you know, at, at the elbow. I mean, the the height that Derek Jones Jr. has to get up right there and the wingspan that he has, you have him, you can swap Derek Jones Jr. out with a PJ Washington, you can swap PJ out with Maxi. Now you have these three guys that you have this positional size there on the wing that can guard these bigger wings. And you have to have those guys, especially come playoff time. And especially when you go, you know, that small ball five stuff where you're putting Maxi at the five. Now you can have all three of those guys on the floor if you want to with Kyrie and Luca. And that's, I think that's one of the biggest differences about this team. And it really popped last night. And like, man, it's nice to have these three guys with a seven foot, seven three wingspan out there that can guard the KDs of the world. Yeah, Austin. So we're, we're going to talk a little more about PJ and Daniel Gafford here in a second. But last night we saw PJ Washington guard Kevin Durant. Uh, we've also seen him guard Shea Gildas Alexander. We've also seen him guard Victor Wembanyama. Like, that is a whole lot of defensive versatility that one guy gives you. Yeah. I mean, he's talked about it. He just, takes pride in it, like takes pride in the fact that he can guard one through five, but he's going to guard the opponent's best player night in and night out. Um, and he's shown that he can do that um, with how Kevin Durant played last night. He was great. Maxi gu guarded him some. They were great together. Um, but yeah, PJ does also the little things like that might not show up on the stat sheets, but he's getting his hands on balls. He's in the passing lanes. He's just doing all those other things on defense, talking, able to switch. And so he brings so much um, to the Mavericks with just his versatility, and he looks really comfortable out there with the Mavs. Winning plays. Yes. Right? Yep. And what that also does, so J-Kid began the game using Maxi at the four, and then Phoenix went really small, and he couldn't do that anymore. So Maxi played a lot of the second half at center. Uh, Derek Lively barely played it all in the second half, and Gafford played some minutes. Uh, but what that allows the Mavs to do is you can either use Maxi as the four or the five, but PJ's locked in as your starting four which means Derek Jones Jr. coming off the bench can guard the perimeter players. Dante Exum, whenever he comes back, can guard perimeter players. Josh Green can guard perimeter players. You don't got to worry about like the big forwards. You have a guy that can guard them now. P.J. can also guard guys on the edge as well, but like 
you now have guys that can take care of business 30 feet away from the rim. And then you also added another guy that can take care of business down low too. So like all of a sudden, man, the Mavs can kind of defend a little bit. Yeah. And they're, they're kind of big. And when you have that size with like guys down low that can block shots or alter shots, it makes the perimeter defenders like play more aggressive because they have confidence that if they do trap or go for a steal and they don't get it, they have someone behind them that's going to help them out. So it like works together because you can also play more aggressive because you have that confidence in all five guys. Which is also important because we know they want to get out and run. Right. And the best way to get out and run is steal a pass. Right. Jump a lane. Make something happen. Yeah, there was that play in the second half last night where Luca, um, I think Kyrie just went out of the game, but Luca got this rebound and he, you know, pushed the pace. And it's like you're not used to that. You're used to seeing Luca just kind of like wait, wait for the guys to get down there and kind of walk it down because that's just his style. But he pushed the pace and he got Josh Green this open three in the corner and it's like more of that. You know, and that's what they're trying to do. Now all of a sudden we're looking at a team that going into not every matchup but many, maybe even most, they're going to be the bigger, longer, stronger, more athletic team, faster team, maybe even the quicker team. Like, happened overnight. We're <laughs> yeah. not used to seeing that, folks. Okay, so the Mavs have now won seven games in a row. Wow. Seven games in a row. That is tied for the longest in a really long time. It's been uh, almost 15 years since they've won more than seven games in a row. <laughs> and um, we'll take a look at their future schedule uh, n- near the end of the show, but... It's going to be tough to make it eight. It's going to be even tougher to make it nine and so on and so on and so on. But here we are now uh, with Dallas riding this win streak, the hottest team in the NBA. Some of that started before the trade deadline. A lot of it has happened since. So, you know, this has kind of been a a shifting team throughout the course of this thing. But Austin, what have you learned about this team during this winning streak? How is this win streak and how the way that they played during this win streak maybe shifted or altered your perception, your expectation for this thing? The first thing I want to say about the seven-game win streak, PJ, someone asked PJ about it, and he's only been there for four games, but he was like, I think this is like the longest in my career. That it's seven, it I, yeah. 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 And then they were like, does it feel like a, did that game feel like a, a playoff game? And he's like, I don't know. I've never been to the playoffs. <laughs> They're like, well, did it feel like a play-in game? And he was like, no, better than a play-in game. So, you know, that just excites yes, you. that anti-play-in. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's one of us. One yeah, of one us. Of yeah, us. Yeah. yeah. Um, but um, throughout this seven games, the four games with the the new players as well, you just it just shows that the Mavs are deep and that when they're healthy, like that depth, you know, just plays to their favor. Um, Jason Kidd talked about it after the game. He's like, I don't remember the last time that we've been deep and healthy. It's been uh, for the most part, but it's been like beneficial because Luca's not playing as many minutes. But when he's out there, he's rested, he's energized, he's going quick. Um, so it just like brings that versatility that you can bring different guys off the bench. You can do different lineups depending on what opponents are doing. If you want to go bigger, smaller. Um, so, and Nico Harrison talked about it with the trades, like one of the three things that they were looking for size, depth, and, you know, front court scoring. And so they have some more depth now with adding these players. And, um, when they all stay healthy that they're going to be, they can be dangerous. Yeah. And last night's game, nine Mavs played at least 15 minutes mm-hmm. and Dante Exum, Jason Kidd said the other day should be coming back here pretty soon mm-hmm. at some point during this upcoming road trip. So, uh, they're, they're very deep. Yeah. Deep enough to where yeah. a lot of guys are going to be getting DNPs. Yeah. I mean, Hardy's not playing and Hardy had a good little stretch there. Uh, some good basketball for him, you know, before the break, Dwight was starting all these games. Dwight's yeah. not playing. And that's just part of it. That's how it's going to be now. And kid mm-hmm. was like, they got to be pros because their time will come again too. Like one guy's out for a game or hurt or whatever. 
Hardy's going to have a chance to come back in and play. So, But just knowing that you have other guys, you're already deep, and you have other guys that aren't even playing or playing just a couple minutes yeah. that can impact the game. So they just have to stay ready, and yeah, they'll get their time too. But it just helps that you have these guys that can come off the bench now and, and give some time and rest to Luca and Kyrie and these other guys that they're not having to play 40-plus minutes a night. Yeah, that is a thing. Man, you look at the box score last night. Kyrie only played 35 minutes. Luca mm-hmm. only played 38, which is <laughs> – that is a breath of fresh air, but still too high. Yeah. Still too dang high. Uh, Isaac, how about you? Yeah, I think for me it's, you know, the importance of Maxi. You know, Maxi's just such a – he's been a polarizing player for, I think, Mavs fans over the past years. Uh, feels like – in one sense, it feels like yesterday he came over, you know, training camp invite, you know, type of uh, thing to camp. And now, but it also feels like he's been here forever, too. And we've just seen time and time the uniqueness of a guy like Maxi, the 6'10 guy that can shoot threes, switch on the perimeter, also, def- you know, defend the rim, too. And we've seen his game evolve a little bit. He's tried to put it on the floor a little bit more. Um, but it's just such a fascinating player because. You know, health means so much to him to where, like, at times, you you know, you watch him over the past few years and you're like, man, so, he's such a unique player for the Mavs to have out there as a stretch five. But he just can't – he can't play, you know, all 82 games at, at 35 minutes a night. You have to try to, you know, hold these minutes back to try to, you know, um, keep him fresh for playoff time because you see how much he meant in that Utah Jazz series in, in the playoffs and he's hitting all those threes and it's like he's kind of like their – and against Phoenix. Yeah, and against Phoenix. I don't, I don't you know, X-Factor gets, like, w- weirdly thrown around. I don't know how you define what, it, what an X-Factor is. He just brings this different type of versatility to your big man, you know, rotation there to where, you know, earlier that's what I was saying. Like, man, we're all, like, one-two punch, lively, Gafford, you know, 48 minutes of these guys. It's like, no, actually, Maxie's going to be in there just as, just as much as those other guys. And right now he's healthy. He's playing good basketball. And you see the importance of having a guy out there in the seven-game stretch. You look at plus-minus over the you know past seven games, these uh, the seven-game win streak. Obviously, Luca and Kyrie are going to be at the top there. Both of them at a plus sixteen over these seven games. But then after that, you're looking at PJ Washington, who's a plus fifteen. He's only played in four of those games, but Maxie's played in six of those games and is plus thirteen, and that's the next highest one uh, in that. He's playing efficient basketball. He allows you to switch. He can guard the KDs of the world, but then hold his own in the paint too while also stretching the floor out and provide the space. He just gives them something a little bit more unique than what in none of the other bigs can give you. And that's why it's like, man, we really got to have him healthy come playoff time and got to keep him in this pocket that he's in because this is a really good spot that he's in right now. Yeah, Austin, it feels like the Mavs, they want to have that big five on the floor, whether mm-hmm. it's Lively or Gafford. But when teams go small, like Phoenix did last night, Maxi is their answer to that. Yeah. Like you were saying, like the X factor, like maybe you could like say he's like a Swiss Army knife because like with yeah. Lively and Gafford, like they are kind of the same. They're the one two punch. You have one of them in, you know what they're going to bring. But Maxi is a little bit different because he stretches the floor out. He can make threes yeah. um, offensively, but then defensively, he can, can guard the five, can guard the four, can, you know, switch on and guard some smaller players as well. So I think more of like a sense, like he's like the Swiss army knife in a way because he can do a little bit of everything. Um, But PJ talked about how he's, he talks on defense, which is huge. And like, he's the anchor, he he's vocal. So he just does a lot. um, And he's versatile. And having Maxie and PJ out there together is Mm -hmm. especially intriguing because like we saw whenever PJ guarded Wimby, 
TJ can guard big guys too. Yeah. So like then you have two guys on the floor at once. It's almost like you have two maxis. Yeah. Well, that's what I literally wrote down in my notes last night the PJ Maxi combo uh, together. It's just was a, it's a fun combo to be able to switch and guard pretty much anybody on the on the perimeter. But to Austin's point, it's just having this versatility, the flexibility for these matchups. And we all know when it comes to playoff time, it's all about these matchups and playing chess and checkers mm-hmm. and and all that stuff. To where if you play against a team like I don't know Minnesota or a Denver, somebody who has you know one of these bigs that's going to play out there a ton, you might see more of Gafford and Lively in those matchups. But if you play a team like Phoenix, to where they're taking Nurkic off the floor, and it's like running KD at the five, or you're playing against the Clippers, and they're going small, Maxie's probably going to see a decent amount of minutes. Yeah, I mean, we saw that play out in 2021, right? Luka was so devastatingly good against Zubats and those switches Yeah, that the Clippers essentially stopped playing him and then the Mavs were like oh darn <laughs> what do we do <laughs> they just didn't have a response to that you know and so a playoff series if the Mavs are able to get there a playoff series is about like all right you figured out the team's your opponent's fastball you got an answer for that all right what about their what about their off-speed stuff now you know and the Mavs did not have an answer for those wing heavy Clippers lineups and so they eventually I mean Bob Garris has said so he's gone on the record to say this like that's why they put Boban in the starting lineup to force the Clippers to go big again. And it worked until game seven, of course. But like you, that's why you need to have that mode. Again, ideally, it's Lively or Gafford. Mm-hmm. But in a playoff series, you might not be able to play either of those guys. Or you might be able to play them for six or eight minutes at a time. It's like how Dallas played in 2022. Dwight played six or eight minutes. And then it was Maxi almost the rest of the time in a lot of those series. Um, so having more options is good. That is good. Absolutely. Okay. That is good. Okay. So how about two new options? We have not done a show as a trio since the trade deadline. We did a uh, we did a react show the day after. That was a lot of fun, but we did not see them play at the time. So the corner three has not had an opportunity to deliver some piping hot, fresh, original, and unique PJ Washington Jr. Daniel Gafford takes. So it's time. Bust out the take cannons <laughs> to get something to eat. It's let's time. get some early impressions on the record about these dudes. We've already talked about them a little bit, but let's like really, really dive in. Mm-hmm. Austin, how do you how do you feel so far? What are your what are your early thoughts on both Washington and Daniel Gafford? Obviously, both impactful trades. We've seen in just the four games that they're make a serious difference maker. They add so much value to this team. Um, both of them have filled the voids that like of the areas that the Mavs needed help in. So um, with PJ, I think it's cool because it's kind of a full circle moment for him. Um, He said he grew up sitting right by the Maniacs coming to games. So now that he gets to wear a Mavs jersey um, play for the Mavs now, it's it's cool for him. Um, And the biggest thing I think with him is that he feels very comfortable being himself with the Mavericks. And so you can see that. And that's huge. Like you want to feel like you are playing like your brand of basketball with the team, not having to like shift and do something else, like fit in with the team. So he fits in perfectly with this system, with what the Mavs do. And that allows him to be comfortable and play his game. And, you know, he can excel because he's doing just that. So, um, yeah, I think we've we've seen only four games, but his defense, obviously, we know what he can do um, on that end of the floor. But his offense, too, has been great in the pick and roll, um, if he can knock down threes, um, 
that's exactly what the Mavs need him to do, and he he can do all that. And you have some unique insight into uh, his experience sitting by the maniacs yeah. and his experience trying to be himself because he's you're the one that he told all that stuff to. <laughs> you interviewed yeah. both PJ and Daniel yeah. right after the deadline. Yeah, it was cool. Um, they were both great. Um, PJ was awesome. I mean, he was excited. He was like, my phone's blowing up. Everyone's texting me wanting tickets all all his friends are been there bro <laughs> i know what that's like <laughs> all of his friends are from here still live here so he has family from right around the area so he was he was really excited he said it still hadn't really like hit him exactly like he was he was in dallas is where he's living now so um maybe now that it's been a couple more games he feels like that now um and then daniel's like, daniel's like i'm from just a few hours away so this is like a getting closer to home for him as well. And he was awesome. He was just really authentic. He's energetic. Um, you you believe everything that he says. Um, he's just a really fun guy to talk to. So, yeah, I enjoyed both of the conversations with both PJ and Daniel. Yeah, so uh, PJ went to Frisco. Which one? Uh, a Frisco remember. High School. Uh, Isn't he like up. transferred? And yeah, he kind of yeah, yeah. moved around a little bit. But, yeah, so, uh, so PJ is from DFW. Um, Daniel, like you said, Austin, uh, Daniel Gafford grew up in El Dorado, Arkansas and Arkansas, for those who don't know, is pretty nearby and El Dorado is in the Southern part of Arkansas. So yeah. hmm. the Mavs are kind of maybe the closest team to both of them yeah. where they both grew up. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Frisco Lone Star. I looked it up. Frisco Lone Star. Yeah. That's right. Okay. You can find both those interviews, by the way, on the Mavs YouTube channel. So if you haven't listened yet or haven't watched yet, go do that right now. Click pause and go do that. <laughs> now that you've done that. <laughs> unpause. Unpause. Well. Play, I guess. Yeah, do that. <laughs> and then now uh, back to reality. Daniel Gafford, by the way, um, Austin, in his first. Because you, you interviewed him after his first two games. Uh-huh. And he, yeah. He had pulled down 26 rebounds in yeah. those two games. <laughs> yeah. The very next game, he pulled down 10 more. Yeah. So that dude eats glass. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, I asked him about. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what sound that sounds like. That's how you. Yeah. Um, I asked him about his nickname. The and, landlord. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, rents due. He he explains, you know, how he got that nickname. Um, but yeah, he talked about how like he is a one. He feels like he is a one-two punch with Derek Lively because he feels like he can do a lot of the same things: um, anchor the defense, alter shots. Um, be that voice and he, he even said when we played when he was with Washington we played him and I was guarding lively he was like I kind of felt like it was myself in a, in a sense so um, just having a guy that can come off the bench and you don't feel any shift with lively coming off the floor is huge um, to be able to bring Daniel in it and you know you stay right where you're at with the team and, and having a guy like that down though. I think the landlord is a decent nickname, but I like Big Dan Dan so much more. Yeah. I just think that's so funny. Big Dan uh, Dan. Both these guys only 25 years old, yeah. by the way, which is yeah. pretty tight. Uh, Isaac, I know Daniel Gafford has probably come up 3,000 times in different trade episodes on Locked on Mavs over the years. So uh, <laughs> how do you feel about having him here so far? P.J. Washington, too, of course, for you all. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think for um, – I'll say for Gafford, you know, just having another – you know, it, it's just – it was kind of a drop-off from Derek Lively – you know, to the rest of the big man rotation of like what, you know, the, the rest of the bigs could bring and to have this guy like Gaffer that could come in and fill this defined role of what they want the big man, what they want the five uh, to do in Dallas of set these picks, roll to the basket, protect the paint, dunk, rebound. This is everything he's great at. And he's still just 25, like you said. So 
And the energy this guy's play, this guy plays with. I mean, his first game, that OKC game, uh, on that Saturday. That's that's a game I, I took my family to, and I mean, it's, the place is just going insane. Yeah. Of his dunks, the hustle, the offensive rebound. Uh, you know, had like five dudes around him. He gets that and one, and everybody's just going nuts. And just what a welcome to Dallas moment. You know, I think for PJ, um, I'm I'm really excited for PJ because. This is this is he is the definition of the evolution of the three and D guy to the three and D and like dribble guy <laughs> of like we've talked for years of even having like you know Reggie and Dorian and some of these guys you know to like hey you can't you got to kind of evolve from the three and D to like you got to be able to put the ball on the floor and get to the basket too to kind of keep the defense on their toes and that's where Dallas has I think been lacking a little bit when building around Lucas they haven't had enough of the three and D guys who can also dribble and move. And this is the def this is the difference between you don't want to do like the whole like grant, but like he's naturally going to be compared to grant because they were traded for each other, same position, but like he can jump higher than grant. He has a longer wingspan than grant. He's taller than grant. He can dribble, you know, into the basket and get to the paint. Like we're seeing right now better than grant like it's just the evolution of that grant's doing so good in, in charlotte they're undefeated i saw a tweet this morning undefeated in the grant williams era yeah, yeah uh, they all they have won four games in a row yeah <laughs> yeah the and he's shooting the ball like really well so it isn't like i'm not trying to like knock grant it's just this is it's what, different qualities it is it's different quality in it but it, this is what dallas has tried to do is try to evolve these wing positions to a little bit more versatility get a little bit bigger and now this is what you're seeing with PJ, who's never really been in a situation, what we were talking about earlier about, I've never been <laughs> in a four-game winning streak, never been in the playoffs. Like, this is his time to play it, to show the league that, hey, I can play really good winning basketball and fit into this role alongside a Luka and a Kyrie. And I'm just excited for him. There's never a scenario in which he shouldn't, like, he should be, like, played off to where, like, a guy like Gafford or, like, Lively, like, they could go small ball and stuff and but like you're always gonna need a guy like pj washington on the floor so i'm excited for him and his career and also excited for dallas kind of the going back to your to your point about like more just more dynamic skill sets yeah. needed um i think back to the playoffs in 2022 especially specifically the warriors they really like did a good job of staying home on a lot of the mav shooters as that series went on and just some teams do that a lot to the mavs they will stay home on the shooters and say luca score 60. Now, it's a lot harder to do that because Luka will score 60 now <laughs> yeah. if you let him. Uh, and the Mavs also have Kyrie, too. But in the event that maybe you do have a look at a three, but the guy closes out just quickly enough to where you can't get that shot off, the Mavs need more guys who can do something with the ball like in those situations. Like, put the ball on the floor and get to the basket. Or put the ball on the floor and make the extra pass. What Grant did really well, even better than guys like Dorian or Reggie that came before them, uh, players that I also loved is Grant would put the ball on the floor and be able to make that pass. He could mm -hmm. be a connector, kind of like Josh Green, but Josh is so good finishing at the rim. PJ is also really good finishing at the rim. I'm not sure that PJ can make those same passes off the bounce. You know, we'll yeah. see as time goes on if he can do that. But having a guy like in the third quarter, I think it was against Phoenix, uh, Kyrie saves a ball going out of bounds, dives in the crowd, and like mm -hmm. almost runs over this this older woman, and she was okay, luckily, but. Uh, it was a four on four the other way and there's all sorts of space on the floor and PJ's the guy with the ball and instead of like waiting for your superstar to get back up the court he just floored it lefty got to the rim and finished yeah. Yeah. like really really tough play really nice finish and so 
having more guys on the floor that can either make something out of nothing or mm -hmm. can make something out of something, something better out of something, is really, really valuable uh, and makes the Mavs just more difficult to guard. Yeah. More unpredictable. Yeah. yeah. He has that ability to just put the ball on the floor and, and make something for himself. He doesn't need someone else to create for him. But he also, both of them said that playing with Luca and Kyrie makes the game easier because they bring so much attention. And if someone's doubling Luca, like they're, it's a numbers game and, and you, you, you realize that and then you need to go make a play because it's four on three. So yeah. And he has the ability to do that, to find the open holes, to split defenders and get to the rim himself. And, and he hasn't shot the ball from three. Well, since he's, you know, got over here to Dallas, but he did a couple things in the Phoenix game that I was excited to see him, you know, try. It's like, I think it's a, a confidence thing. He took a few like step up, step into it threes and he's like, Little. made one of them. Yeah, he did. But I think it's also like he's got to get that confidence back. It's a switch, switching roles, too. I think, you know, we were talking about when the trade happened last year, when you look at total points scored for the Hornets last year, uh, Terry Rozier was number one. Number two was P.J. Washington. You watch that game in which you put up, what, 43 in January before, you know, he got traded. He's taking a lot of those threes off the dribble. You know, it's kind of like ISO. I'm going to go score. I'm going to do this thing. Now he comes over to here, and he's he's going to be asked to play. This. That's not the role he's going to have here. And it's like, hey, stand. You're going to get an open shot, but you're just going to stand still, wait for the ball, and then shoot it. It's a little bit different, a little bit flow, you know, different flow of the game for him when you're, you know, you go from Charlotte, what you're doing, to now just standing there waiting and then shoot. I think it'll come to him, but I like last night of like, hey, he's ch clearly trying to find his rhythm back shooting the three ball. And uh, I, I'm excited to see that kind of that momentum or that, um, I don't even know what the word I'm trying to, that confidence, I guess, get back for him when he's it's getting just these finding open. out your fit. Yeah. You know? um, it is a similar, though not identical, and also I'm going to do the lazy sports talk Here podcast we go. guy of making a comparison uh, a couple years ago, the nuggets make a trade for a guy that was like putting up pretty good numbers on a pretty kind of like mid team, sometimes bad team. Uh, and he embraced a totally different role and became an indispensable piece of a championship team. Aaron Gordon from the magic averaging 18, 20 a game or whatever for Orlando had many more touches, many more games where he was scoring a lot. All of a sudden is traded to a team that has a very solidified hierarchy. A lot of really talented scorers around him. His touches, his shots are going to go down. But hey, you got to find your fit. Mm -hmm. And Aaron Gordon has now become one of the best, like maybe the ideal power forward defender in the NBA. Just a hugely important piece to what Denver's doing. And maybe the Mavs found their version of that yeah. in PJ. And they gave up similar, uh, a similar amount to get him too, which is pretty... Pretty good stuff. And yeah. I also feel like if you already have the foundation of the defense, which he does, it's easier for your offense to like change or, or get into a rhythm with the new team. And so like, especially with the team like the Mavericks, where you have all these people who can create shots for you, playmakers. So he has that defense. We know we can count on that. And then, you know, it's easier for the offense to get there, to come and to get into that rhythm. So in order to get minutes on this team, you got to be able to play defense. Exactly. So you'll figure out the offense in yeah. time. Hey, no, no worries, no rush. You do, got two superstars to lean on. Do you like his nickname, uh, P. Jail? Putting guy in P. Jail? I don't <laughs> know. I'm, I feel kind of mixed about that. I'm yeah, I'm not there for that. Um, or or the uh, P. Three. Three J. Three J. That's what it is. Yeah. I mean, that's on his B ball ref page, dude. Yeah. Well, we gotta wait till the three point percentage gets a little higher before him. He made two. I like P. Jail. You like? I I don't know. Just, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I like PJ. 
Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> P- that's a great one. PB and J. I don't know. I just thought of a new nickname for uh, what is his name? Paul Germain. Is that his name? <laughs> Let's see. I really need to look at this stuff. Yep, Paul Germain. I got it. Uh, PJ. Yeah. That's pretty good. Oh, uh, I bet he likes that too. You should tell him. I'm gonna ask him. Everybody be on tell board Sean. for that. I'll ask him next time I see. Hey, I'll say, hey, Paul. Paul, I have this idea. <laughs> Let's call you PJ. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't doesn't Sean say three J? In arena? Uh, I mean, Sean says all sorts of bits whenever <laughs> guys make threes. <laughs> High right. three, Irving. Uh, there's there's all sorts of stuff. Uh, <laughs> High three, Irving. Max three. I don't think you said Maxi Threeba. I think he'll do that. Okay. He'll hit you with a. Uh, all right. Next. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So looking ahead, the Mavs have won seven games in a row. But boy, their next seven games sure are tough. Now, uh, one thing you'll note about this is you see the schedule on the bottom of the screen. I'll read it out for those listening. The Mavs are playing the Pacers twice. They're playing the, the Cavs. They're playing the Celtics. They're playing the Sixers. They're playing the Heat. They're playing the Raptors on the second night of a back-to-back. That's seven pretty tough games, and none of them are against the Western Conference. Mm. Wow. But you look around the standings, and boy, howdy, are things stacked up real nice and tight in the West, too. So uh, very tough games. That might not have direct stand, standings implications, but every single game matters so dang much. So, how do the Mavs extend this winning streak? How can they still get better? What things are they still trying to build on? What are you hoping to find out about them during this seven-game uh, stretch coming up where hopefully they can win 14 in a row, Isaac? Yeah, we can't say health, right? I mean, No, you cannot do that. Stay healthy. Yeah. Get Dante back. <laughs> Um, I mean, defense is the first thing I go to is like, you just, I mean, they're still what 19th, 20th in the league defensive rating. Um, can we get in the top half? If that, is that possible? Can you get in the top half before the end of the season and, and defense, uh, they gave up what, what was it last night? 115, 113. First um, half defensive rating. Not so good. Second half defensive rating. Very <laughs> good. Pretty good. Very good. Uh, but no, that that's the biggest thing. And you know, that, you could sit here and like dissect different things about this team, like what they're good at, what they're not. And some of it's, you can't really look fully at just the numbers because some of it's just the style and the makeup of the team of like, you could look at like two point attempts and be like, dude, we're one of the lowest in the league in two point attempts. And it's like, well, because we like shoot threes because Luke and Kyrie get into the paint and kick it out and all that. So it's, it, you know, you kind of get some of that, but it, it all evolves for me around defense. That's, that's the area you get better. And then you just continue to you know, incorporate the new guys and PJ and and anytime you trade for a guy like PJ Washington that's going to play 25, 30 minutes, I don't know what he finished at against the Suns, then you got to that's there you get better, get him at the best level he could be. Yeah, you hear, I mean you hear the saying defense wins championships and it's cliche, but it is true the Mavs now in that 6 spot if they want to move up to that 4 spot, you know, try to get home court advantage um it's going to be defense. You have superstars on your team. You have Luca, who's you know putting up numbers to to be an MVP. You're not worried about the offense. You know down the stretch you have guys who can score. It it is simply all just defense getting stops. Um, we've added guys that helps with the defense, and and Luca's talked about it multiple games. He's focused on his defense as well. That's a point of emphasis for him. He, you know pointed out that he got a stop on Kevin Durant last night. So <laughs> he wanted everyone to remember that and three steals. He thought it was four. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if you have Luca buying in defensively um, and then everyone else around them, you've, add, you've added great defensive pieces. That's, that's how you get better.
And uh, this is going to put their defense to the test. Mm-hmm. The Pacers are one of the few teams that the Mavs have not played yet this season. But holy moly, <laughs> they can score the dang ball. And they will play faster than the Mavs, too. So you better be ready to run, 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 run. And that is a weird tip-off time. That's Sunday at 4 p.m. They Central. W- they will also let you score the ball. Too. They will. <laughs> it's going to be 162 to 161. Uh, yeah. uh, hold on to your butts. They got the Pacers twice in the next seven games. The only team this season with a better offensive rating than the Pacers is the Celtics, who the Mavs also play during this seven-game stretch. Uh, also games against the Sixers, Tyrese Maxey, a uh, game against Miami, who is starting to kind of figure it out a little bit. They're yeah. starting to climb up a little a little in the east. And then Cleveland, who finally lost last night for the first time in like six months. So it was a very, very daunting stretch of schedule, and the Mavs will need to win a lot of these games away from home. I was going to say, on the road, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, the best way to do that is with the thing that travels the best, which is defense. Yep. So got to, got to, got to guard people. Um all right, quick thoughts before we get out of here about the West. Why is it so dang jam-packed? What's the deal? How are you feeling? So last night, the Mavs clinched the tiebreaker against Phoenix, which is great. A few weeks down the road, they have two games against the Kings, who they are trying to fend off mm-hmm. behind them in the standings. And they're chasing the Pelicans for one of those spots. In the well, Pelicans are currently fifth. If you can pass them, your odds of staying in the top six are really, really, really good. How are we feeling? Let's do a little a little temperature check, vibe check here. Yeah, five through eight. You know, it's it's a tight race right now with Pelicans, Mavs, Suns, Kings. Um, but the vibes are good. I'm not worried. I'm I'm pretty confident right now. I, I not worried. No, Ooh. I'm not worried. Okay, she's been good with her predictions. I know. You have been. It's just like a a calm. And for for the for those at home, okay, you don't say. I think the Mavs are gonna win every game. Like no. it's not a bit. Yeah, I'm, like you're not, not doing like I'm a just bit. Like, yeah, the, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I fully believe it. I'm I'm confident with how we're looking right now, how they're playing. So, um I think they're good. I think yeah, they have a chance to to keep moving up and and they realize that and they know how beneficial that would be if you could get into the top 4 for the playoffs, um avoid the play in, have home court advantage like the higher up you move, like it just helps you in so many different ways and I think the Mavs realize that. So, they have a lot to play for. Um, down the stretch and and they're playing great right now yeah and you you also start you know at this point in the season if not already for some teams you start to see teams kind of make the choice of what direction they're going to go for the rest of the season mm, what do you mean um you know there's just some teams struggling at the bottom of the conferences um that you know they're probably gonna give their younger guys a chance to play yeah yeah okay and uh so you, you just, i can't believe that anyone would do that that is no, like no, no, unthinkable no. to me um so anyway that I'm this offended. stretch of the season you start seeing that um you love seeing seeing these you know this grouping of teams like austin said these four teams there five through eight um but with the you know with these uh, you know teams at the bottom of the conferences going down further you start seeing some, you know, look at the the winning streaks right now in the West. OKC mm-hmm. at four, um, or Minnesota at four, OKC at three, New Orleans at four, Dallas obviously at seven. Like the good teams are winning a lot of games right now, and so that's, you know, does does the top of the West with two teams that really haven't been at the top, will they stay there? Will they sustain that for the rest of the season in Minnesota and OKC? Uh, will you know some more veteran teams like the Clippers and Nuggets? Will they try to? You know, or will they pass those guys up at some point? I don't know. And Pelicans are playing good basketball right now. So, 
And then I, I think it's wild right now when you look at the West and you look at the play-in, you, know, you got four teams in there, Phoenix, the Lakers, and the Warriors. Just yeah. so much star power and names. Is that the dream scenario or the nightmare scenario for the, for the NBA? <laughs> I think it's the dream scenario for the NBA. Yeah? You get these like one games between, I mean, at this point, it'd be but, Lakers, Warriors, right? Yeah, I, I mean, it proves to them that the, they should keep using the play-in. No, no, if stop. That's, no, well, it does stop. if that's no. if that's what the games you have. I'm no. Just, I'm not yeah. saying I support it. I'm just saying that that gives an NBA it? like the validation that, yeah, we're doing the right thing. Do you support the play-in? Uh, not really. Okay. Oh, okay, good. We you still know, like I, Austin. I like the March Madness like bubble teams, but yeah, I don't yeah. I don't know about for them. We pretty much have the top 10 teams in the West though, right? I mean, barring some Yeah, like, I mean, Houston has really fallen out and Utah is starting to Yeah, Utah's yeah. like three and a half back, almost yeah. four. So it looks like it's going to be some iteration of the Warriors, Lakers, Kings, Suns. And there is quite like a gap that. actually. I mean, it's only a few games, but still between ninth and eighth. Yeah. So the the tiers are really kind yeah. of solidifying themselves already. Can I give you one stat for the road? Mm -hmm. So if you go to tankathon.com, great website. Uh, I don't know what it's named after. I was say, what's the tank stand for? I have no idea. It's kind of huh. some jargon. Um, <laughs> it gives you uh, there's a, there's a list of remaining strength of schedule in the NBA. Okay, the number one most difficult remaining strength of schedule based on remaining opponents win percentage in the whole NBA, the Phoenix Suns. Yeah. Uh, two other teams that are immediately near the Mavs in the standings, that is Sacramento and the New Orleans Pelicans, both in the top 10, remaining most uh, most difficult strength Where's of schedule. Where's Dallas, Bobby? The Mavs are in ninth easiest mm. remaining strength Ooh. of schedule. Now, that doesn't mean a whole lot, okay? This is like just one or two Don't different games or whatever. Here. But, hey, Phoenix, their average remaining game is against a team that is on like a 44-45 win pace. Like almost every game for them for the rest of the year is a playoff game. Mm -hmm. uh, the so Mavs, not the Hornets. Correct. Correct. Yeah. The Mavs, not so. Phoenix's easiest remaining game, they have two against the Spurs, one against the Hornets, and one against the Raptors. And like that's that's it. Every other game is against like a pretty good team. Um, so if the Mavs can take care of business. Right. And if these other teams that have more grueling schedules can slip up a little bit or maybe succumb to – life's difficulties yeah hey didn't but sometimes you, you don't like that because like yeah you don't want to like fall down to the competition like you know you like, like you said off the, after the all-star break you have a tough game like you're mentally locked in so i don't know I, you gotta you gotta <laughs> rise to the occasion yes. whenever it calls for it though you but know you so have like, to still play at your level even yeah. if the competition isn't at your level yeah for sure yeah with the Mavs beating the Suns, I don't think we mentioned this earlier. They do now have the tiebreaker, yep. so that's that's key. Um, what's the team? I don't have the Mavs schedule in front of me. We were just talking about the other day a team right there in the West. The Mavericks still play three times for the rest of the season. I thought there was. Oh uh, well, they play the Thunder three times. They play that's the War. They play the Warriors. No, well, no, they don't play. The, they've already played the Thunder twice. They play the Thunder two more times. They play the Warriors three times. Okay, I guess it's the Warriors that we were talking yeah, about, including two times in Dallas. Uh, and they play versus Golden State and at Golden State like twice in four days in the first week of April. So that is that could be Eesh. enormous. Yeah, like uh, that could be that could be enormous. Yeah, and weird travel too. Yeah, because weird of travel. some scheduling. Weird. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, we also we're also setting up for some wild, potential wild um, online discussions if the Mavericks drop a few games against some of these like. 
low teams in the conferences. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's just a for like you got to take care of business now. Like, right. You have to win from basically from now on you have to win every game that you're supposed to win. Yeah. Every single one. <laughs> like every single one. Yeah. Your yeah. margin for error is such that you you cannot take mess a, around. take a game off. But the other thing too, and this is like what makes it so exciting, right? Is the Mavs could win every single game they're supposed to win and still lose ground because they have so many head-to-head games against teams that they're trying to hold off. They play the Warriors three times. They play the Kings twice. Like, if you go undefeated against everybody else, reasonably, and then you lose all these head-to-head games, it doesn't matter. You're still toast. You know, so it's like every game, every dribble matters. This is the whole point. Yeah, definitely. This is the whole point. Bring you up a spot or, or down two with a couple wins or losses. So yeah, yeah. who do you want to match? No. <laughs> Can't do that. <laughs> just kidding, guys. Just kidding. All right. Wow, this was fun. Yeah. Winning is fun. Good. Winning is fun. We're refreshed, refreshed from All Star break, so yep, we're ready to go now. Hey, did you enjoy All Star? Did you watch it? I heard you didn't. Whoa. No. <laughs> <laughs> did you enjoy it? Did you watch it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I watched. Yeah, I watched it. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. I yeah, I enjoyed it. I mean, what was your favorite part? <laughs> the defense. <laughs> <laughs> Love the defense. Yeah, uh, no, uh, Isaac. She knows that you went on record saying that you uh, you changed the channel. <laughs> uh, all well, right, well, <laughs> that's what led to our convo. I know. Yeah, that's what led to our TV wrecks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I started watching Love I, I, Is Blind. I don't blame you for that. Yeah, <laughs> that's better te- television. Apparently, a great show. Yeah, Bobby's uh, watch. some people are trying on Love Is Blind. People Drop a comment below with your favorite. Love uh, is blind character. Couple, yeah. Who who are you shipping? <laughs> What's the deal? They're <laughs> real people. <laughs> so they're not characters. No. Yeah. Who are you shipping? Who should get with whom? Uh, who's a loser? <laughs> and uh, which which person would we all match up with the best? Let us know below Bless. in the YouTube comments. Bless Clay to the sun. And uh, Clay and AD. And we will see you next week for Isaac, for Austin, for Chopper in the back, for Cat editing. Uh, I am Bobby. We'll see you next week on The Corner 3.